AP Snicks. Today's guest is Charlie McGorick. He came into the studio, so I get to have somebody in person sit in the studio and have a conversation with, and I don't get that very often, so that was awesome. Uh, Charlie's a bartender at a place that I play music at, and I overheard him talking to one of the guests about the war on drugs, so immediately I was like, hey, I do a podcast about this stuff, and he's like, I'd love to come on and talk about it, so we talk about the war on drugs, how it affected his life, and just a really cool conversation, so um, let's go ahead and dive in. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs are menacing our society. What are your thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, Thank you for joining us. This is the piece on drugs. On drugs. So, Charlie, got you in the uh, studio because we work together. I play music at the restaurant he bars, uh, bartends at. A uh, nice, fancy place, um, Fort Myers Beach, Coast, at mm. Diamond Head. Can't go wrong. Really good food. Like, probably, I'd say the best on Fort Myers Beach. Easily for like the fine dining and like not getting overpriced for what you pay for and getting the good experience. Yeah, you're in a good spot. Yeah, it's awesome. So, um, so yeah, I just overheard you talking to um, some 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 customers there about the war on drugs, and I was like, "Oh, this is fascinating." Like, I'm, uh, and I was about to you know, jump in and say say something about it, but then the other guys were like, "Yeah, but we got to admit, though, things were a lot better with when Trump was president." I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to leave, and then I'll, I'll I'll come talk to him about it a different time." So a few mm-hmm. weeks later, I was I was like, "Oh yeah," and yeah, we just started talking about it. And um, what fascinated you? What what made you you know? What brought you into the world of drugs and, th- and looking up and looking into the drug war? So, obviously, like being a young kid in the Midwest, there's not a lot to do. So you kind of look into where the money goes. And especially when you start smoking weed at like a young age, and every kid and any kid who wears a flat-billed hat gets pulled over. Yeah. You kind of find questions like, why? Because the real mo- people who spend money on drugs are going to be more on like... Not weed, it's going to be like your cocaine, your heroin, but surprisingly where I lived, your number one drug busts are all pot under 20 years old. Yeah, and the reason probably is is because everybody's smoking pot, not everybody's smoking heroin. Like the idea that if you smoke pot, that's a gateway to heroin. Well, not for most people. Most people stick with the pot. Mm. And if you want to make money and make the most amount of arrests you can, well, pot's going to be your number one you're going to arrest for. And arresting young people is a lot easier than arresting people that have jobs, money, and can afford law. Well, if you defense. can afford a good lawyer, you can yeah. get out of basically anything. Right, and then it's not worth it for them to make the bus because it costs them too much money. So mm-hmm. bus the people that can't afford the lawyers, and this is what's really had a negative effect on minorities. Oh, 100%. And when it goes into the minority community and, like, there's so many speculations on, like, what the government influenced and how they broke up minority homes and things like that. Because in the 50s and 60s, you never heard of single black mothers ever. It was a very, very rare occurrence or single minority mothers. Yeah, because they're because they're very family-oriented people, as mm-hmm. most people are, until you figure out a way to systematically divide them, and that's what they've 100%, done. 100%, into where you can break down a community, because they've been getting married before they even had a community called Jumping the Broom. So you're telling me that people who had no freedom, slaves, are going to be more married than people who are today without some kind of influence? Yeah, and, and it's also it's just really sad when you think about the similarities with slavery. There's also many differences. I want to point that out. I want to anger somebody who's like, wait, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's a diff. It's why it's, it's the whole, new it's Jim Crow. Totally Carter. different. One hundred percent. It's um because what it used to be, it, you know, you you and your spouse could get split up, sold to a different plantation. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking hundreds of years ago, 
and now you're split up for drug arrest and and brought into penitentiaries where they don't they don't allow you to the prison's not going to be in your neighborhood you know it's going to be it's going to be in a rural white community you know two hours away or even another state away and you're going to have to drive and some families can't even afford to drive and because of the way they've spun the drug war a lot of these women actually blame their husbands they don't blame the system because they didn't understand it and um, Michelle Alexander's book New Jim Crow she has a new edition and she said in the new edition intro that her book she has so many uh, black women writing her, thanking her, that said forever they were bitter towards their husbands or their brothers or uncle, whoever it was in their families that was arrested. Mm-hmm. They were bitter towards them because they blamed them. And then they read her book and found a way to not only forgive, but actually have sympathy for these family members and, and love, you know, it was, it just, it was, you know. It's a very eye-opening experience when you can have somebody kind of like break it down to you in layman's terms. Because in courts and everything like that, they make really fancy words. They try to paint a different picture to where like, you're just a criminal, you're just a dirtbag, da 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 Where, I'm sorry, now the federal government sells weed. And they say it's still federally illegal, but the Wait. federal government for, in states still make money. No, no, the federal government doesn't. None at the, all the whatsoever. State, state government does. They, now, what about the taxes they I'm have not, to pay? I'm, see, I'm not sure how the tax works because if you have to, you do have to pay federal tax on income. So if your income is through a shop, I guess you do. Have, I guess you would have to pay the taxes. I know that this was a huge problem at first, um, with uh, which is technically why they were running illegal businesses. Mm-hmm. That's why they were cash only. But now they're not cash only. So I, I, I think there's they've. When there was a, a Times magazine that was like uh, marijuana hits Wall Street or something. I want to say that was like seven, eight years ago. I think I know what you're talking about. I got that. I have it. Oh, they're still selling it though. So I, when I mm-hmm. bought it, I thought it was new. I don't know. But the, when when so cannabis hit Wall Street, that's when it, uh, the feds, ha- they're going to get their hands on their money somehow. So yeah, oh, you're, one probably, way or you're the probably right. I don't know why I've never looked into that. But because uh, I always just assume federal government's not making money. But then when you think, well, how are they not taxing? How are these politicians? Are they not paying income money? tax? No, they're paying income tax. Guarantee that. So yeah, it's, and it's hypocritical. I mean, and I'm having debates with friends about the Brittany Griner story. You know, she got arrested flying into Russia with a vape cartridge and has got sentenced to half nine- a gram. Yeah, after after and you can look at prior cases with other Americans who got caught with either bringing in weed or trying to sneak weed out of the country. One girl I believe I saw, she had like nine grams, did like six months. And, six and months, Russia. and Brittany Griner has nine and a half years. So you're telling me somebody who has, so she got caught with like a half a gram of cannabis. Another girl got caught with nine grams. Yeah. So basically nine times more. Yeah. If not more, technically 18 times more, and she's doing a sentence that is nine years longer. Right. Well, no, it's and it's absolutely absurd. And but it's clear it's clear that they've politicized this because they're because oh, of their war in Ukraine, our support for mm-hmm. the for the Ukrainian government, and because it's so it's been sensationalized to the point where. They they have they have all the cards. If they want, if she wants to come home, they're they're trying to negotiate the release of a terrorist. And my post, which my friend got upset about, said, all I said was Brittany Griner, 100 percent needs to get let loose. But why are we going to trade an arms dealer to get somebody out on a cannabis charge when we have thousands of people locked and up for small amounts of cannabis here that, that we're not releasing? Problem. It's so hypocritical. Now, again, I think we should definitely try to get her out, and we and maybe we should make that trade. I'm not that that I'm not necessarily against. I mean, we need to get her out of prison, but at the same time, if we're going to we're willing to do that, why don't we also let all of our people out at the same time to prove a point? 
Because right now, because idea, she could have flown into Texas, her home state, and been arrested for the same thing. Again, not got nine and a half Way years. Way less charges. Yeah, oh, she, she wouldn't have got any prison time. None, zero. She would have got slapped with It would have been a crime. But had it been the third offense or something, she could have been serving time. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing if it's a third offense, but you've never got in trouble before. And the simple fact of you're going off of, yes, we should release, which certain states have. Like, you can look at Illinois. Illinois, when they first... Um, because I'm a felon in Illinois. I have a weed felony. Really? 100%. How, how much weed did you get caught with? 493 grams. That, break that down it's into like, pounds. Uh, a little over a pound and a half. I want to say like a pound and three quarters, somewhere around there. So, which see, that's not, that's not like crazy. Class, no, it's classified I mean, I know as a it class is. two felony. Yeah. But nowadays, you can grow two pounds in your house for free and have no repercussions over it and have no trouble. So I'm in the middle of lit- uh, litigation trying to find a lawyer because my lawyer is no longer in a firm. Yeah. And what happened when uh, Illinois legalized recreationally, they did about 700 to 850,000 cases they expunged right off the bat. When they legalized? Uh-huh. See, I don't think Colorado's done that yet at all. I don't think so. crazy. But Illinois has. Which they're the front runners of legal weed. They actually were the first state, if I'm not mistaken, to do recreational. Not California, not Washington, not Arizona, Colorado. Yeah, the first to do medicinal was California. And then I thought it was Washington and Colorado around the same time. I want to say they're in the same bill. They, they, mm-hmm. Something like that. But um, so so I, the reason you're, I'm guessing you're having a problem why, why yours wasn't expunged is because it wasn't um, a misdemeanor and because, because it's federal it's, offense. No, they did do felonies. Mine is because I didn't just have drugs. I got manufacturing distributing. Ah, uh, yeah. so possession. Oh, no. No, no, I'm saying possession no. charges got dropped, but oh, manufacturing yeah. distribution didn't. Sell, like, your sellers are the ones that get, but you can also look at the state, like, you're selling weed right now. Yeah. And I'm on such a minuscule scale compared to what you were, I'm going to have to pay to play, of course. But oh, that is it's bullshit. something I'm worth to do. Yeah, you have a charge, a felony charge that I'm sure is, you know, it's always a problem every time. Mm-hmm. That's probably why you're in the restaurant business. It's the reason I was in the restaurant business because oh, I have 100%. a criminal record. And the restaurant business is the one place that doesn't give a shit because if they did, they wouldn't have anybody to work. No, there's nobody to work if you have a. It, I can promise you that it doesn't matter how nice your restaurant is, there's at least one person on that staff that has a felony. At least one. Yeah, and, and most of them probably have misdemeanors. Actually, I don't know if I say most, but I tell you, most, every one of them, 100%, and this goes pretty much on all industries, every one of us have committed misdemeanors and some of us felonies, and they might never have been caught, but we've oh, committed the crimes. 100%. You can't tell me that nobody's ever drank an underage and not get caught for it. Exactly. And the amount of people that have at least tried an illicit drug is, I can't remember the actual percentage, but it's it's it's, like 40, it's stupid high. And why would you have something? like 48.6%, and that's just on weed. Yeah. And that's worldwide. So, like, 48 is either, like, try to smoke weed, does smoke weed, or has smoked weed in their pot, in their lifetime. And it, and how we have a law that's that's going to criminalize something that such a large percentage of people break the, the rules, it shows that we don't, you know, in a democracy, this should matter. Just the, the in general, the fact is that we like because to experiment with our consciousness. Population. Yeah. It's uh, I, I love the quote from Timothy Leary, and I've said it a few times. Not Timothy Leary, I'm sorry, um, Terrence McKenna. He said, um, if, if uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness doesn't include the right for me to experiment with my own consciousness, then the Declaration of Independence isn't worth the hemp it was written on. And I love that quote. That's a good quote. That is a yeah. good quote. I've never thought about it in that kind of layman's terms to where like you really just break it down to the most basic of basic because that's what our whole country's founded on. And he's not wrong. No, no, 100%. By any means. The, the idea, and also, another thing I have is, like, if you want to say, 
opiates are, are outlawed and not being distributed. I disagree with that. I do think that they should be regulated and you should be careful with them and it should be doctors. That's my opinion. I have I've had guests that don't have that opinion that think it should be just straight up legal. As long, they said, as long as alcohol is legal and I can go to a store and buy enough alcohol to kill me, why can't I buy heroin? And I understand that argument. I think that we've went a little too hardcore with it, alcohol. It is, it is, it is a strong argument. But there's also I'm more on the lean way of like because my friend, basically like my brother to me, he is like a social major. I have two friends that are in the social worker degrees, and one of them is, and one of them's getting their master's right now. And one thing that they, like, go on is, like, New York does, Portland does, and, like, even other countries, I want to say, like, uh, Venezuela and South America, where they give housing, and they teach you, and they lean you off of certain drugs like heroin and crack, because at the end of the day, like, addiction is a gene. It's in your blood. It's in your DNA. Like, it's not something that— Well, see, there's there's a lot of different um, uh, thoughts on, on what, whether that's actually true or not. People have genetic compulsions where if you have a—if you're more proponed to, to have compulsions toward things, then drugs could be more of a problem for you. But at the same time, if you just look at countries that don't have the, the war on drugs, they don't have the same drug problems. No. And if the problems comes down to the people on, that are scoring on the streets— have, do not have a steady supply regularly. They might have a regular guy, but sometimes he's out. they got to find it here. And they can't go to their job while they're going through withdrawals until they find the drugs they need. And then when they do, are they adulterated? Can they kill them? People are losing limbs because of infection from shooting up. Uh, the, a lot of people were dying of AIDS that weren't that, that were of the drug community. Because AIDS community. was an anti-gay thing. And at that time, in the 80s and the 90s, if you were gay, nobody really gave a shit. Exactly. It's fucked up, but it's true. They, they were like, oh, this is just hurting the homosexuals. Who cares? And then somebody mm-hmm. said, Realized they, it was actually Maya Salovitz was um, I was on a podcast and she said um, you know that that there I can't remember who it was first but they were like hey there's a lot of other people that are dying and it's the drug users and guess what another group of people they didn't give a fuck about so it just it wasn't makes the, it easy the, yeah the public wasn't like Less oh my goodness like well I don't shoot up and I'm not gay so I shouldn't worry about this it's like yeah but your brother some of your brothers and sisters are. So, you know, so do you care about them? And they apparently just didn't give a shit. But eventually it caught on and they, they started, you know, doing some work. Now they have great drugs treated. But the, just the way that we've, we handle problems on the streets with drugs and the way that we've handled, uh, we've ignored some of these problems has just mm-hmm. been disastrous. And if you look at addiction and the way, like when I talk about legalized heroin, if we, if we worry that, oh, I've seen people that are addicted, it's fucked up, we can't legalize. It's like, well, no, you haven't seen addiction in a place where it's legal. You've seen it in a place during prohibition. And prohibition also has failed miserably. We've spent like a trillion dollars on this thing, and it's only gotten way worse. When Reagan started his— Oh, uh, Reagan started everything. Yeah, the way the drug—see, there's a lot of confusion. You know, people say, oh, it was Reagan started the drug war, or it was Nixon. So it's all true. Yes, Nixon started the drug war. Yes, Reagan started the drug war. Yes, Reagan's the one that laid the hammer down on the nail. Nixon laid the nail, and then Reagan fucking hammered it home. Yeah, yeah, basically. So, well, Harry Anslinger actually was the one who got the nail and said, "Here's what he, okay. he created the drug laws." Um, he he because he took over the um, the Department of uh, was it the Bureau of Narcotics, and it was right as alcohol prohibition was coming to an end that he t- took charge, mm-hmm. and so he needed something to to fight, or his division was going to just be defunded. And he he and he also was a very racist person. Uh, this is back in the 30s. So, so that's why they went for be, cannabis. Well, they went for cannabis because of the Mexicans, heroin because of the blacks. This is what they, this is their, their mm-hmm. language. Those are their language, not— Yeah, yeah and, um, and then they—and and basically created these laws. And then—and he was also a kind of person that hated people that use substances because as uh, uh, Johan Hari's book, Chasing the Scream, it's based on— 
Harry Anslinger, when he was a little boy, he heard a woman screaming in a house that he went to visit, and the woman was screaming, and the husband ran and gave him a prescription and said, run down to the pharmacy and pick this up, and he went and picked up, you know, whatever, morphine or whatever it was, brought it back and gave it to her, and she was immediately better, and he was just, like, disgusted by it. So when Yohan Hari wrote the book, he felt like he was investigating, he was chasing that scream all around the world, seeing how that, effect, that, that story affected everything, because when the United States— launched that, or when, the, mm-hmm. when we outlawed the use of uh, doctors, he basically said doctors can no longer prescribe opioids to addicts, only pain patients. Right. And all the doctors said, if you do that, the drugs are going to go to the streets, they're going to become unaffordable. These people have great lives. They're, they're, yes, they're addicted to heroin, but they live very functional lives. They're a part of their family. They're a part of their communities. This will all go away if you do this because they're going to have to pay crazy prices they can't afford, which is going to lead to crime. You know, And everything they said came true. came true. And then Nixon, when he comes in president, he's like, what do we do about these hippies protesting the war and about these civil rights people, black people protesting? You know, the, Equal rights. Yeah, equal rights. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you can't lock them up for protesting, but you can lock them up for drugs. So that's when he goes, all right, we're going to create the five uh, the schedules. So the Controlled Substance Act, he scheduled the substances, and they started arresting the people they didn't like. And the reality is housewives were abusing drugs across the country. All kinds of people were using drugs, but that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was not to go after the people who regularly used them. It was just go, you can now legally arrest. Go after the people who can't afford defense. Yeah. And that happened. And then, so then Reagan comes in and he's like, all right, it's time. he militarized the police. So the, the war on drugs that we see today was Reagan's, but it, but it wouldn't have happened if it wouldn't have been for the other guys also. It was Nixon's baby, and uh, Reagan raised it. Yeah. It's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. And, and there are certain things, like, I don't know if you know this, if you, you can go back in ads and commercials in the 30s, the very early 30s, when they started going, when we'd... Reefer we used to be, yep, marijuana, if you want to call it that, used to be legal. Used to have no problem. We made a lot of money off him. George Washington, the first president ever, made a lot of money off of hemp. Yeah, yeah. And we made clothes out of hemp. We made rope out of hemp. We made almost everything we possibly could out of hemp, and they smoked it. So there was nothing wrong going at the time. And in the 30s, what they did was, because of also the war on race, was the biggest way that they could spin it to get a big population behind it, which was the white community, was they would say, oh, it makes the black man want your wife. It makes this. Mm -hmm. It makes that. It makes him a horny individual, blah, 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 blah. And that's where you got a lot of your lynchings from. It's where you got a lot lot of things that people don't realize happened happened. And they happened not too long ago. That's what's crazy. I mean, when you You hear stories— You know somebody that is 84 years old. You know somebody yeah. that's 75 years old, so you can't tell me that, oh, this happened so long ago. You know somebody that was alive when it happened, so it's not that long. Yeah, and then you'll always hear, I'll hear many people saying, you know, slavery ended this long ago. Like, they need to get over it. It's like, but if you read a history book, because it wasn't like after the Civil War, like, slavery's over, and it was like, la-di-da, everything's good. No, now we have uh, people trying to assimilate into a society that didn't want them to assimilate and would constantly reject, 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 and there was... I mean, it's just been a constant struggle. And now with the new Jim Crow, what it is, is mm-hmm. the drug war has created a system where, and I have to hammer in this fact constantly, these numbers is 40% of prisons are filled with African-American men, and they make up only 6% of the society. And if you don't think racism is involved in that system, then you're fucking blind. I mean, there's just no other way to look at it. Numbers are the only thing in this life that don't lie. 
Exactly. I'm sorry. There is not there. That's why people who, who have the IRS, everyone hates the IRS, but the IRS can't ever really be wrong because you can't ever really fake a number because they can find the real numbers at the end of the day. Yeah, the only thing you can complain about is say the laws are wrong. You don't believe that the, the laws should be the way they are, but the IRS is just following their laws, and that's why I feel bad for IRS agents, even though if I'm ever audited, I'm sure I'm not going to be happy about it. Hell no. But I was reading, uh, it was another one of Johan Hari's books was um, Lost Connections, and he talked about... Uh, different professions that are very, because he was trying to figure out what causes depression. And there was one profession that had the highest rate of suicide by a large margin. And it was um, basically the IRS, but it was in a different country that was their, their version of the IRS. And the reason they figured out was because they were not just overworked and and had a stressful job, but they were never, ever thanked for their job, appreciated, and the exact opposite were treated like shit for doing their and job. And everyone hates And them. everybody hated them. Mm-hmm. So it creates, you know, you, so you lose the connection with the with other humans. And, you know, say I have a job, and you have a job, too, where we we, ha- we make people happy. And we're like, hey, Human bitch, connection you're awesome. is the only thing that matters in our job. Yeah, and, and I, I, how many, like, I bitch about my job sometimes, but I'm like, people are coming up to me and handing me money that they don't have to, because, you know, I, I get paid for my job and I get tips, and people People just come up and hand me money, and then they're like, hey, you're awesome. Thank you. Like I constantly get this positive feedback, and when I bitch about my job, it's really kind of fucked up considering some people you know, go through life with you know, having Hated to work a really hard job. Life. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. And there's always argument, well, they could just do something else. Well, if, if, that's just not how it works in the free market society. That's, that's it's an, everybody that's would do something else. That's a statement to say, yeah. oh, you can do something else. Everyone could literally do something else. Every, everyone really hates lawyers, yeah, it's, but it's, it's one of the most sought-after jobs because you're highest paid. Yeah, well, the thing is, though, is, is a lot of people come out of law school, though, and there's not, there's more people in law school than there's going to be jobs available. Oh, so, of course. So that becomes a problem. But uh, the, the, the statement, you know, you could just find another job reminds me of the statement of, you know, if you don't like the country, you can leave. I'm like, I hate when it's people so say ignorant. that shit. It's like, so first of all, can I? Can I, can I sell my house and afford to pack everything and go to another country? And then it's just and then like, pay for citizenship. Yeah, do all this. And then as soon as you bring that up, they're like, well, other countries won't let you in because they're not like us where we just let anybody in. It's like, we don't just let anybody in. It's, and, and that conversation, though, there's some truth to, to the immigration problem that, that and I just, I don't really want to get go down that road. But just when people say, if you don't like it, you can leave. It's like, well, also, I don't want to leave. This is my home. This is where I was born. This is where I've lived my whole life. This is where my whole family is. You think if I leave that they're going to leave with me, all my sisters and mom? No. So I want to stay here and talk about the things I don't like because I want them to change and try to make them better. And I'm, I'm not going to make it better if I just move to another country. That's giving up. I'm not exactly. giving up. Last time I checked, this is America. And the only time that America never really questioned the government was before Vietnam. And then we got to see what happened in Vietnam and all of the outrages and how bad the military did in Vietnam and abused their power and things like that. And now there's cameras everywhere. Yep. So you can't tell me that America isn't based off fighting for what's right. Last time I checked, you're supposed to go stand up, protest. That's why it's in the First Amendment. It's the most important amendment there is to protest and tell people how important what you're fighting for is. You can't. There's nowhere in any English dictionary that you can tell me or encyclopedia, whatever, written down journal where America has never fought for what they believe is right. And most people agree on certain things what's right and we fight on a lot of other things but we all find common ground yeah but the problem is is that we, we get duped by the uh, the elites and they they figured out how to dupe the working class into voting against their own uh and it all comes back yeah. to nixon 
It, well, Nixon and um, I mean the Vietnam War. So but there's a lot, a lot to unpack. Well, that's here. where the dirty but, politics came in. That's where they started taking money. Because if you look at the early '60s and late '50s, our economy was the best it was ever has ever been. And that's when your corporations were paying like a 60% tax rate. And then after Nixon, when he was taking that dirty money, no longer had to take those kind of high rates, and the rates just kept dropping and dropping after decade after decade. And now they basically pay nothing. Yeah, they, they do. I mean, that's how you. And now we have created a society where somebody like Jeff Bezos can be worth two hundred billion dollars. And I have this argument with my friends a lot. They're like, "Well, he earned it." I'm like, "You understand that, that that's a glitch in capitalism because he, yeah, he earned it based on our but bullshit." But did he pay his fa- fair share? No, back he in didn't. Society? And yeah, he earned it based on our bullshit system that allowed him to make that much money. If if we had a different system, he might be worth. You know, my thing is, is nobody even needs $1 billion. That's, that's too sorry, much money. I'm sorry, if you money. have a billion dollars, you can never work the rest of your life. You could sit on your ass on an island, spend every dollar that you have in your pocket every single day, and you're fine. Yeah. And, and, y- and your children will be fine. Your grandchildren will be fine. That's a billion with a B. Yeah. A billion. But that's they, a lot but of they, money. They want to own multiple private jets, yachts, houses all over the world. So, so then you have a, mm-hmm. a budget that needs billions of dollars when the reality is no human being needs all that shit. And we're never going to use it. Yeah, we are, we are just a consumer. You know, we, we consume far too much. We need too much. We're a very greedy society like that. And I always bring up the point that there's a finite amount of wealth. So if you have people that are worth $200 billion, $100 billion, if, you, if those people exist, then there's they're sucking up. A, a, the scale gets unbalanced where a lot more people have to have less for that person to have that much. So if, imagine if we said, yeah, you started Amazon, great job, good company, we're going we're gonna to maybe divide it up into a few companies as we do, break up monopolies as we used to, and we're going to say the max amount of money you could be worth is $100 million. That's fucking plenty of money. But th- when I say this to people, they get pissed off. And I think it comes down to that some s- subconscious feeling that, well, if I ever get that rich, I don't want them taking it. It's like, yeah, but you're not, though. You're not going to get that. But you're never going to get that rich. And the simple fact of thinking is, like, I'll bring it back to like it was before. How I brought up like the whole 60s and before Nixon got into office, your CEOs only made about 50 to 60 times more than their lowest employee in that time. You know what they make now? Like 3,000 times, 5,000 times more. So you're telling me that you're worth more, 3,000 times more than somebody else who does everything you want them to do, everything that they need to do, something that you probably couldn't even do yourself. Yeah, so, well, it's like, but I thought of all this. It's like, okay, so that means... But you can't do it. Yeah, yeah, and, and the idea that you, you work hard, well, you, you get what you work for. It's like, so the person working their ass off for 50 hours a week who makes 3,000 times less than you is worth 3,000 times less? The work he's doing is worth that? No. And I know I read something that like Japan has a law that, that the CEOs can only make a certain amount of money higher than the lowest, and we need something like that. Oh, 100%. Because think about it. If Jeffrey Bezos had to say the most you can make is 20 times your lowest paid employee, then his lowest paid employee is going to make a lot of money. Oh, a lot of money. Because he wants to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, but it's going to balance it out. He's going to make a whole lot less than he's making now. But he's but the people in the bottom are going to make a whole lot more than they're making now. Oh, my be- God. You went from making $600 million to $500 million. Oh, my God. You had to actually pay the people who do things. Yeah. Like, my dad retired at a very young age. My dad retired at the age of 40. He's 59. He's been retired for 19 years. And he, like, yeah, he's worked on, like, his rental properties, but that's Personal work is what I like to call it. At the end of the day, my dad taught me a very good business thing was you take a little bit less from yourself, put it into the people who make a little bit less than you, and I guarantee your job gets done faster, your work gets done better, and everyone's happier at the end of the day. Yeah. It's crazy crazy how it feels to actually, you know, take care of the people who take care of you. 
Yeah, and it's another interesting thing Yohan Hari brought up in his book uh, was different models. We have a hierarchical work model where you have boss and then subordinates, and then you know, and it's, and then there's like in the corporate world, it's not just one boss. Like you have your boss of the restaurant, that's the GM, but then you have a district manager from the, that's ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Then you have your CEO, and then you eventually have your board, and it's this whole hierarchical mo- model. A lot of fancy titles. Exactly. And then so there's these new companies that are starting that are creating socialists within a workplace to where every employee is a owner, a part owner, and that nobody's on top or above anybody, and they all do their part, and they all split the profits. I love how you said that, socialist. It, People it, act like socialism is such a bad thing when America practices socialism almost every single day in more ways than one. The number way, number one way of socialism is your Social Security. Well, Social Security, but also um, Social Security is—, is yeah, um, but also school, the school system, school system our, our police system. And think about this: we used to have um, a free market with our firefighters. It was like, if you're a fire, you want to be a firefighter, you start a business, and if something gets, goes get, catches on fire, you go put it out and you collect money for doing that job, and it's privatized. And then what the problem was in New York is you had different firefighters fighting over who got to put out the fire to collect the money, and the building would burn down while they were fighting over who got to put mm. it out. So the government had to come in and say, "All right, enough with the privatized firefighting. We're going to make this a social program." So it's a socialist system where we have taxpayers pay and then each area is districted to where if there's a fire in this district, that's you. And that worked way better than the private. So privatized works. saved thousands of lives. Thousands of lives, thousands of buildings didn't burn down. Mm -hmm. Also, the idea is that socialism in some things is extremely necessary. Capitalism is great in other areas. But a free market, just because you have high tax rates, doesn't necessarily mean it's not a free market. Now, again, I, I like to always point out, you know, that I'm not an economist. Um, there's some great books you can read, The uh, Social Philosophers, or is it The Worldly Philosophers, great book to understand economics on a basic level. But um, I'm not an ec- economist, so if you said trickle-down theory actually does work and Reaganomics makes more sense than you, than you realize, I don't think you're right, but I don't know enough to prove you wrong, and I might be wrong. I, I, can, I can speak on trickle-down economics. I think it's an absolute—it's stupid, to be honest. I think it is. Trickle-down economics is only a way to make sure that the person who gets paid the most makes the most and gets to retain the most. Because, oh, you know, we give them a tax break. We give them this. We give them that. They don't have to pay this. They don't have to pay that. And instead of making the $3 million they were supposed to make, they're going to make $10 million, And then that 7 extra million is supposed to go into the company. Never does. Never yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Well, um... The, but the, the thinking, though, with trickle-down, at least I've considered the thinking, is that let's say you have um, like somebody who makes $500,000 a year. So we're not talking right. about a filthy rich person, but we're talking about a very well-off You're still person. talking about the 1%, though. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Not the 0.1 or 0.01. I don't know what, what point it's, they would it, be in. It's at 400000 I think it's 1%. Okay. So mm-hmm. we're talking about a very wealthy person, but not a rich person. Is that those terms? Anyway. Very same thing. So mm-hmm. so if somebody makes about 400000 a year, and if you said, all right, we're going to tax you Let's just for the sake of math, you're going to tax you 50%. So now you're only bringing home 200000 You're still doing fucking great, but, but you're not the baller you would be if you were only taxed 10%. So the theory is, is if they're only taxed 10%, then now they have a lot extra money, more money than they need. But what they can do with that is they can start investing. And they can invest, say, I want to open up a restaurant on the side. Now they've created employment. Right. And so the, that's the trickle-down theory, that if I have more money, it will make its way into the working class because this person now has ways to, to do that. Whereas if the government were to take the money that they would have used to make a restaurant, the government's going to take it, and is it going to do the same amount of po- positivity in the community? Because it's not going to – of course, it wouldn't open a restaurant, but let's say it opens up a bureau that can hire. The thing is – the argument is the government is way less efficient than the free market, and I do agree with that. Oh, 100%. The government is more greedy than any free market could ever be. Right. So, so the – that 
idea of trickle down, I understand. I just think that it was a terminology and a philosophy that was used to get the rich richer, and it wasn't trickling down. Oh, 100%. It's the way that they twisted to where, like, oh, yeah, we're going to build this, we're going to build that, but... I have a feeling most people know what generational wealth is. You know what generational wealth is? Where we save, 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 don't spend, 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 don't open anything. We just make a bunch of money and then none of my kids, none of my grandkids, nobody else that I have that's under my lineage has to basically work the rest of their life. Right, right, right. And 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 I believe I believe it was Bush that did away with the uh, tax because it used to be a tax. If you transferred all your money, left to your kids, a little Bush, I think. Um, it makes sense because it's right in the time frame. And what was it called? There was a tax. It was a, a state tax or so, some tax where if, if someone a rich person dies, they're going to leave. Equity tax. Equity. And so they— or No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. An estate tax. A state tax. Yeah. I because think, technically yeah, when you state. die, like— Your estate is everything. Because like, look at like when Kobe just died. Cause shout out to Kobe. It's his birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, you got a Lakers jersey oh, on. Every day. Nice. It's Kobe Bryant's birthday. I have to wear it. Um, your estate tax goes to, let's say you die and you're a very, very wealthy person, mm-hmm. just like Kobe was in his time. When you pass away, the money they inherit, they have to pay taxes on. Unless you're involved in certain businesses, you get tax breaks on this, you do, you pour a bunch of money into charity. But even when you pour that money into charity, it all comes back to you. Yeah. So these are ways that the politicians and the big equity firms got together to make sure that everyone who basically had money at the time was going to make sure they had it forever. Yeah, and, and I and I believe that. So yeah, you pay your estate. So that when the money transfers mm-hmm. to the next the next closest to can or whatever, there's a certain percentage the government would take as a tax, as if it was an income tax. Yeah, I have and no idea what it is, I'm but pr- I know I'm pretty it's sure that that. Big. And I don't. I hate when it's. This is why Rogan's podcast is awesome when he has a Jamie to sit there and go, mm-hmm. "Hey, Jamie, look this up," and then we keep talking. And then he answers, and I don't want to sit here and stop doing what I'm doing to look it up. But um, we uh, I'm pretty sure George Bush um did away with the estate tax, um. Highly possible. I'll just look it up real fast. Fuck it. I can cut out this little section while section. I look it. <laughs> I'll it. We'll keep talking. Um, did Bush. Oh, fuck. Bish. Did Bush get rid of the estate tax? But you got to look if Clinton brought it back. That's the problem. No, the second Bush, I believe it was, after. Uh, okay. So the w. Bush tax cut phased out the death tax. It was supposed to be ah, completely nice. eliminated after 2009. However, after being dormant for one year in 2009, the 2010 deal between President Obama and Congress brought it back to life at 35%. Why? Something good Obama did. And, and you might Very. disagree with that tax. Why? My dad already paid tax on the money that he earned, and he's given it to me. Yeah, well, you didn't pay but tax on it. you didn't earn it. that. And, and uh, these silver spoon that. people, that, Florida is just ripe with people that are just born into money that never have to work. And I'm sorry, but that's... It's, I, I do understand being able to leave your kids stuff, and that's why it's not 100% tax. It's 35%. But if you're handed a million dollars, then 35% is gone. You're still left with a big chunk of money. And as long as you're working and com- contributing to society, you wouldn't need the money in first. That's just a bonus to what you're already doing unless you're not doing anything, which exactly. is a lot of the case. And I love the way that you painted that picture for the simple fact of I'll put it this way. What makes it to where like you're so inherited on that money? Because there are a lot of wealthy men in this world who – do give their money to their families, and it's never going to be the same. But a guy like Warren Buffett has a contract in all of his uh, wills where if you don't do something in your life to where, like, you're building equity and you're making money, da-da-da-da-da, you have to either forfeit your trust 
or just give it up completely, and it just goes into the state system. Well, that, that's interesting. I know he's, he's kind of a philanthropist, I, I believe. 100%. And, um, if you can't make your own money, you don't deserve mine. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I do understand handing your money. You know, it reminds me of something a little off-subject, but you know what the Catholic Church did? They started selling—I uh, can't remember what they were called, but they were sell, basically selling higher places in heaven if you gave yes, your money to the church. for a long time. And a lot of people who were dying would leave their entire— Inheritance to the church. To the church and, and not their family. And free and then it never has to be paid for. But, the, but also, yeah, the church doesn't pay taxes on it, but your kids don't get anything, but it's because you're so scared of dying and the church is offering you a better mm-hmm. place in heaven. I mean, you talk— about a scam. Anybody who looks at the church and doesn't just see scam written all over it, I mean, if you want to be spiritual and religious, get together with a group of people in your living room and do your praying. There should Don't, never be such thing as a, as a super church. No, what, a super what church. What is a super church? They it's, do it in Texas. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But we'll just go back to the hurricanes that were in like Houston, devastating all of Texas. Like half of Texas was underwater. And you know what he did? Didn't let anybody in. Turned people away at the door. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, that's the, the super church in Houston. The guy I just had on the podcast, the one that just came out, uh, Sex, Drugs, and Jesus, was his. I think the, it's the same guy. It's, yeah, he, he was going to that church, and he got turned off because when they found out he was gay, they didn't, they, they didn't want to be in the uh, part of the religion or something. So he's, he said now he's spiritual, but he doesn't go to organized religion. And I, I like that. Or, going to a church and handing them your 10% of your paycheck and that they get to you know, dance on it scot-free. I remember this, the, the pastor I grew up with when we went, his, I believe his salary at the time, and this is in like the 90s, was $80,000 a year. Which, That's a lot. Especially in Gastonia, North Carolina, you're, you're, I bet you your, your congregation was averaging 40000 a household, and they're giving 10% of 40000 to you so you can make 80000 and and do work once a week. And I mean, I'm, you know, there's other things. They did counseling, so they were work, working and stuff. But it's just like, still. stop giving in your money. And I remember listening to this one podcast, I think it was Duncan Trussell, and he was talking about, um, imagine if everybody that went to a church and gave 10% of their money got together and did something like help build homeless shelters and gave the money towards that instead of going sitting in a building and listening to a preacher. Like that would create such positivity and it would be spiritual and it would be connection. You could like that would really connect under God is with the way you're supposed to do things. Exactly. Because like there are so many veterans out here, like my family, I have a lot of veterans. My sister's boyfriend is a retired Air Force paralyzed or technically paraplegic. He was never supposed to walk again. He's technically a walking miracle. Really? He was attacked by a Korean spy on duty while he was like on his daily routine. Rodolf broke one of the main vertebrae in his neck and he was never supposed to walk again and he fought to walk again. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's and you're amazing. telling me that there are super churches out here that can make damn near hundreds of millions of dollars tax free. But when that tax money could go to veterans, and we'll just we'll just paint that picture right there. They could go to a whole bunch of other different demographics and things like that. But we'll do we'll do veterans because that always hits home to no matter what demographic you are, because everybody serves and everybody loves our country and everybody loves our troops. Yeah, when you especially with when you're talking to the people on the right who are anti. Uh, big taxes and would be 100% anti-taxes to the church. If you did say this is going to be a tax that the government is not, it's going to go straight to the veterans. And how can our, you say no? Because that's yeah, that that would hit them right in the heart. And and but the, where? But then again, I question because when Trump wanted to build that wall, he pulled funding from for veterans. And he pulled funding for the schools of veterans. Mm-hmm. Pulled and, from and, teachers. Pulled from police officers. Yeah, and, and he pulled from so many different demographics. Military schools for the children of people in the military lost so much funding, and nobody cared. They said, "Yeah, but th- it's because there's a crisis at the border." And it's like, well, the crisis could be fixed. And this goes back to the war on drugs. If we end the war on drugs and the drug trade, and we and 
uh, put the cartels out of business who are murdering everybody down there. Oh, yeah. A lot of people will not want to flee anymore. And and also, if we change tax codes, my sister talks about this a lot because she was um, uh, she majored in Latin American studies. But the corporations that go down there and exploit the workers, they don't reinvest any of their profits into those Zero. communities. So Zero. if you created a law, and I know this, they would argue, well, that's up to the Mexican government, and it is. But the problem is, is that we've influenced those governments to do play by our rules for our corporations. So we've we've put people in power. The CEA has taken out uh, they've taken out democratically elected leaders and helped prop up dictators just to play ball with our corporations. And But we're all about democracy. Well, when it works for us, we are. When it works. Because you can even look at Venezuela, because Trump hated Venezuela, because we'll just stay on the Trump thing for a little bit. Trump hated Venezuela as much as they possibly could, but who made Venezuela what it is today? That would we be did. our corporations. And that would also be the fact that we put that we basically we, we won't trade with them. And, and with the U.S. won't trade with a company that a country that has that much crumbles. oil. Yeah, it crumbles. Same with Cuba. And also, I'm not sure what's going on with Cuba right now because I don't I don't believe Biden has changed, reversed any of the things Trump did. But there was a minute where my, like my family was going to go. Obama opened it up. Obama opened it up. My family had a cruise booked to, um, not me, but my, my, my mom and I think my sisters, were going to Cuba, see Cuba. And then Trump became president, and they're all Trumpers. They like Trump, but they weren't able to go Shut to Cuba. Shut it down. And, um, and I'm sure they defended that. Well, that's because of this or that. I don't know. But I, just because a country wants to be communist, why isn't that their business, whatever system? If they want to, if they say we're a communist nation and we want to trade with you, but the, I think the fear was, well, if they're a communist and they're right at the border of this. I'll play the devil's advocate for you. It's a domino effect. If yeah. Cuba becomes, demo, or becomes communist, then maybe some of the islands that we are in power of, which aren't that far away, the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, all those little islands that are right there might follow suit and want to follow under the flag of communism and be like, I need to be defended by the Castros. I need to be defended by Putin because Putin is one of the biggest defenders of all of Cuba and will make sure that Cuba will never be under American rule ever. And that was the fear. But the thing is, is if we were to trade with these countries and be respectful of these countries, and I know Oliver Stone, of course, a lot of people think he's just this uh, kind of anti-American communist, but he, he he loves the Russian history. And he talks about, he said, after World War II, Russia was fucking ev- ev- economically devastated. They didn't have- They any, had nothing. Their, their country was mostly destroyed. I and mean, we talk about, we went into World War II and saved the day. You know how many Russians died compared to the U.S. and were fighting their asses off? Russians, I think, died more than any other ethnicity they, they, they in did. country. And they- um, and then we, and when they, we were going into our, when we were going into Japan, we wanted them to come down from the north, and we promised that if they did that and they helped us, that we would help rebuild their country. And they did, and we took, we won the war, and then we did not help them. Oh yeah, we, we basically pulled all the funding back. Themselves. And so, thus, then the Cold War starts. So. What if we had helped them rebuild? And what if we had a positive relationship with the communist country? Just because they're communists, you think they want to overthrow your country that's democratic? If you, if you treat each other with respect, that might not be the case. Again, this is actually out of my area of expertise, but this, I'm just thinking, you know. But I, it kind of isn't, though, at the same time, because like you said, we both deal with people on a daily basis, and you definitely deal with people who you don't agree with. You just, like you said, you have family that are Trump supporters, mm-hmm. and you are clearly not a Trump supporter. Right. But I can also say you still love your family. Of course. So it's kind of an ignorant statement to say that you can't get along with somebody you don't agree with because last time I checked this is America and we're supposed to have two different parties that you're not supposed to agree with on multiple different things but you're still supposed to be an American and love each other at the end of the day because this is a what they're painting it as a Christian nation right now which I don't believe it is but that's what they but that's what the people who write my checks say 
people who like get us all into into power say so if we can disagree on those different fundamental terms you're telling me that just because you believe that everyone is supposed to make the same amount of money that we just can't get along no it's all about power and politics well the, the problem i think becomes when you get to that level of power it's not. It's no longer personal, right? It's well, our corporations aren't making as much money as yours because you're you're screwing us over in this trade deal or whatever it is. So then, we, and actually, I did want to bring up another point. So I'm not finishing that point. No. Because I know where I was going. But going. the uh, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine. If you look at that, what you have is a communist country attacking a democracy, and the reason the United States is supporting the democracy is because. We believe that that you know they shouldn't be evaded by another power, and we don't want a, the communists to be, to be right at the borders of the other countries. But you, a lot of people on the right, because of Trump's support of Putin, are oddly quiet about it and don't. Very. And, and I've even heard things like, "Well, the Ukrainian government's corrupt," and it's like, "Yeah, but are they are they less are they more corrupt than the Russians?" And do you think Putin would be a better leader as a dictator in a communist country? Because that doesn't seem like what the, the Republican Party used to be. Because mm-hmm. they were the party of Reagan, which oh, was yeah. a completely anti-Russian morals, straight morals, morals, and and Russia and communism. That was that was the worst case scenario for anything. If but you're now, a communist, you don't talk to me. No, and now you have a, mm-hmm. you have a president like Trump who actually says, "I think Putin's a." powerful leader He's complimenting him and they're kind mm-hmm. of following into that train of thought it's like how what happened from reagan to trump that completely opposite kind of thought on russia that it's you followed him it's a cult that's it's really cult. what it comes I, down to. I i hate to put it out there actually i really don't it's a cult i'm sorry yes i'll put it out there i voted for biden just for the simple fact of i was sick and tired of the trump stuff me too i'm so sorry that like i feel like you're a weirdo when you wear your president's memorabilia, you're giving the president money by buying all of his stuff when he's supposed to be working for you. Why are you wearing all this stuff? A that Trump he's flag as a, as a cape? Exactly. I mean, and last time crazy. I checked in the article of America wearing the American flag as any car part of clothing is supposed to be anti-American. It's supposed to be against the rules, but we do it every single day on every single 4th of July, every single big holiday. You see somebody out in a bikini or a t-shirt, tank top, whatever you want to call it, but that's technically against uh, the, what is it, the flag conduct. Yeah, well, the, with old school mm-hmm. thinking, like what what the great generation, the people who follow World War II, what they mm-hmm. would think about that, yeah, they, they wouldn't. Oh, they'd be, be disgusted. But I mean, I'm talking about not just the American flag, but Trump flags as, as, as capes. The and MAGA so, flags. It's, mm. And it's just bizarre. And you see all these trucks talking about, um, like, you know, those huge, huge, you know, Tundras, those big, big ass trucks, just one after another. I was driving out um, into like into the middle of Florida, where it's real Trump country. Oh, big! And there was just a whole, uh, you know, one after another of these big trucks with Trump flags, and everybody in the back, everybody's cheering, and it was like the scariest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, and but in their mind, it's like this is because we we got our country back, we got our country back, you know. Uh, fuck the corrupt government. Trump's our dude, and he's gonna make the country great again. And they're all excited about it. But what I see is 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 mania. I see. But what makes the country great again? What are we gonna have slaves again? What are we gonna oppress black people again? What are we gonna oppress minorities again? To where we do all these things? What are you talking about that actually made America great? Well, because we're more free, but less free than we've ever been. If that makes sense, it does. And and I do agree with you that that for a lot of if you're not a, a white person in this country, making it great again sounds kind of scary. But I do know what they're talking about, and they're talking about there was a time when America was the most innovative place on the planet, um, and and we re- we were creating the assembly line, automobiles, the largest exports, manufacturing, and all the innovation came from here. And now the only, we we still are the most one of the most innovative countries, but it's only in Silicon Valley with liberal elites. It's not no, the general no. population. So basically, what you're describing is we're making doing all these great things when people had to pay their fair share in taxes. 
Right, and now and now, yeah, the, the money got all sucked up into the, to the elite, and it's all moved to a tech world. And also, we've defunded our public education system to the point where average working class families who can't afford a private school, sending their kids to public school, are not getting the proper education to no, compete in a Silicon not. Valley world. So, how do we fix that? And the answer is going to be ding, ding, ding. More taxes on the rich, put money back into the schools for your children. And if you think that that's a bad thing, I don't. if you actually saw it for what it was, I don't think any working class Republican family would be against taxing billionaire com- companies like Amazon and putting the money into your children's schools so they could get a better education, they could be safer, they could, you know, we could we could get guidance counselors back in there, which would, help, would, would well, lower school shootings. What you want, p- putting police officers with guns in your schools, who cares? You're so right on that simple fact of... And that's the only reason, like, the I, I'm not a big Elizabeth Warren fan, but the one thing that she said when she was running for president that I really liked, the millionaire tax. Yeah. Two pennies, two pennies off of every dollar you make over $50 million. Do you know how much $50 million can go and how much that can do and how much you, if you and yourself got $50 million today, you, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and so forth and so on, never have to work another day in their lives. If you live modestly. But you want to get a, a yacht? That's even, ten million. Even if you don't want to go crazy, fifty million. You're talking about annually, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, annually, oh, no, annually. Yes, oh, yeah. I am oh, talking yeah. about no, like yeah, a fifty okay, million dollar income annually. But if you You're realistically, if you made fifty million one year, you could stop working, and you and your kids could live forever if you lived modestly. Middle class. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, you gotta you gotta compete, and it goes back to that whole I gotta compete with the with the Jones, right? Like I, I gotta well, be oh, the best. Oh, he got best. a new car. I'm gonna get a new car. So it's like, oh, this billionaire got a new yacht. I'm gonna get a bigger yacht. Oh, he got a, this private plane. I'm gonna get this private plane. It's crazy how it went from compete with your neighbor to love your neighbor. Yeah. Well. It went well. No, it went from love your neighbor to compete to with compete, your neighbor. Yes, that's but, what it, but we've always been competitive, right? If you look at when they they study the bonobos, the chimpanzees, they say chimpanzees have are very hierarchical in nature, and there will be one chimpanzee that becomes the leader mm-hmm. at the top of the tree, and he'll and he, he basically gets to have whatever woman, whatever female he wants, he can have. And he's first dip he with the food, mm-hmm. but eventually he'll get tired and weak, and someone will challenge him and maybe beat him, and then they're at the top. And that's what I saw with Donald Trump was he became the guy at the top, and all the other chimpanzees are like. You know, like he's the, Fight, fighting for like, let like, me be Trump. He, let me our, be Trump. He, and like, that's our dude. That's our dude. And and, and also, I'll agree. Uh, I had somebody on my podcast. It was a, a, a this um, Larry Mass. He's a um, homosexual, older older Jewish homosexual from New York. He was the first to ever write about um, the AIDS crisis. Okay. And he um, and wow. what he said was, he said he's terrified about Trump and what could possibly happen. And he said, that, here's the thing, though. He said, I will say that Trump was doing some good things, doing good things in the Middle East that we hadn't seen in forever. He said, For a long time. He said, here's the problem with that is that when Hitler took over, he was the, the Jews in, in Germany were like, well, it might not be as bad as we think because he's doing some good things for us financially. We're making a little more money. Things... Things are going well, and that can happen at first. And then it all switches. But then once once he became dictator and no longer worried about a democratic election, then he went wild. And if you don't think Trump's trying to do the same fucking thing by delegitimizing democracy, I, there was the primaries today. First right? attack of the press is the first sign of going against democracy. You is go it? against the press. Yeah, and yeah, you go against the press, you delegitimize it, and then you also create a kind of system where subconsciously the voters feel like, well, if there wasn't a democracy, we wouldn't have to worry about Biden, and he could just be the president, and they'd like that. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking terrifying. And like I say, today the Florida primaries were held. Now, if you're listening to this, obviously this will be a few weeks from now when it's released, So, but we're, we're recording on um, the day of the primaries in Florida. 823. And, and um, 
the people on Facebook were like, I saw a bunch of people saying, vote Republican. And somebody else is like, only Republican would tell you to vote Republican in a primary. Because you're, if you go, if you're a Republican, you only could vote for a Republican. If you're a Democrat, you can only, you know, there's not, it's not there's one versus the other. It's the primaries. But, um, and I'm sure there was some Democrats saying the same thing. But I, for what I saw on my feed was a lot of angry Republicans. And then they're like, well, how are they going to stop this one from being stolen? And that was the biggest thing I saw was like, well, last one was stolen. I don't trust this one. And that's fucking scary. If you don't trust democracy, and then then what, what's the next thing? Do we fix it or do we do go do, somewhere else? Do we just burn it all down? And like that's and, also and that, how you said like the whole trust thing. So I can send my taxes. I can get my driver's license. I can get my Social Security card. I can get basically every government official thing. That is my identity through the mail, but I can't vote. Voting is just not trusted through the mail. And that is the one thing that like his whole campaign based on. But you yourself, Mr. Trump, President Trump, voted through the mail in Florida. Yeah. So you're trying to go against the Florida votes that happened by mail, but you're yourself voted for probably yourself in Florida through the mail. Yep. So that's where that whole hypocrisy comes into my mind is that, like, don't throw a stone when you live in a glass house. Right. And, that's, and George Orwell called that uh, where you can have two competing ideas in your head at the same time. Uh, he called it double think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was a terrifying book. Like parallel thinking. Yeah. And, and I, mm-hmm. when I read it, because some of the characters would think two things that were completely contradictory. And I remember thinking, well, that's not in, that, that wouldn't happen in real life. And I didn't understand that Orwell had went through actual seeing the autocracy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So now I've seen it. Now I'm like, nope, it happens. Because in Trump's the tweet that I've talked about here before, he said, in one tweet, he said, the Department of Homeland Security has declared this the, mo- the um, uh, was secure, it? Le- secure election mm-hmm. of all time, and that's thanks to me, Trump. And then in the same tweet at the bottom, he said, also, it was stolen. So uh, how, the, how the hell does what? that make sense? Yeah, what? But what? The, just what in the fuck? I mean, it's either secure, most secure ever, or it was stolen. It's not. It can't it be can't, both. It can't be both. But people can compartmentalize and believe both things. They only read one of the two sentences. They don't read the whole thing. It's it's just bizarre. But so I was thinking though. I po- so I posted this other thing. I got actually got into it with one of my friends' dad on Facebook because I posted Trump said at one of his rallies recently, and it's not the first time. But he said if we executed drug dealers. Then, then this would solve the problem. Countries that execute drug dealers don't have drug problems. Of course, then I posted and I said, well, a few things here. One, if they don't have a drug problem, why do they have drug dealers? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, and two, like you can't just execute people for for drugs. That's not a, a you know a violent crime. And and then my and then let rapists walk free. Yeah, my, and my friend's dad said said I would appreciate it if you wouldn't talk about things you don't fully understand and disparage the greatest president in the U.S. current U.S. history. And I was like. Uh, things I don't understand. I was like, I've been doing a podcast about the drug war for two years, uh, interviewing professionals and reading constant books about it. I'm pretty sure I understand this a little better than you. Also, I do understand. I've thought about this, and it's fucking scary. I've been wondering, could we ever see ourselves, if Trump did become a dictator, let's say he, let's say he did destroy democracy, would it ever come to a place where we started rounding up Mexicans and, and killing them? And lynching them in the street. And I was like, I, I don't see us going that far. But then I thought about executing drug dealers. I was like, well, there's your past to do it. Because if you start linking, you're already, you're already calling them all rapists, murderers, and drug dealers. It's no and, different than and, the witch hunt. And the cartel is a, a problem coming from Mexico. It is. But it's also because of our guns and our money and our, our want for drugs. It. But the point is, is if you can start calling them murderers and then you are calling them uh, drug dealers by, by, by saying, well, you murdered the person who overdosed, so that's that's death penalty. Then you can start rounding them up and just saying, you were a part of the cartel, murder, murder you, murder you. And that could be how genocide happens in this country. Oh, 100%. And that's fucking scary. It is a very slippery slope in the domino effect of where, like, if you 
let one thing go of like, oh, let's just kill this little bit of people and like maybe it'll it'll go away. No, it's never going to go away because then it's going to branch out and then it's going to be like, oh, well, they're related to a drug dealer. Well, then they should die too. And then their kids do drugs. Let's kill them too. And then it's just a whole slippery slope of to where like you never know when it's going to end. It does. Where it, are you going to draw the line ethically to where like someone feels safe? Exactly. And then you have the problem of you could say, well, in this country, what we would have happen is the, the lawyers would go to the Supreme Court and say, this is this is genocide. It can't happen. They would look at it and they would say, yes, we, we have to shut this down. But if there's not a democracy, then a dictator can say, well, fuck the Supreme Court. You're done. Mm-hmm. Not your business. You're out of it. We're going to keep doing this. And that kind of shit, like you don't want you just something we do not want to have happen ever again after World War II. We should have learned our lesson. But we're seeing the same shit happen here. And, and when I say this, I think people get upset because they, they hate Joe Biden. The reality is Joe Biden is, is in my opinion, not even close on the scale of what Trump was. I don't think he's a great president. I don't think, I mean. By any means, he's not. No. And and I, mm-hmm. I, I hope he doesn't run again. And I hope Kamala Harris doesn't run. I hope we have somebody else. But um, the problem is, is that we do have a two-party system right now. And I wish we didn't. And I, I might vote third party. But it, again, it, it depends. It never does anything, though, unfortunately. Like, I voted third party before. Like, I voted for Gary Johnson. I did, In the Hillary Clinton and Trump original presidency. I did, too. Because I liked what he had to say. I liked his ideas. And don't get me wrong, he was the best candidate he by was, far. He was. And also, Hillary, Hillary was absolutely awful. Um, and some of the things she's done and the Clintons have done have been have been absolutely awful. And uh, even uh, Michelle Alexander in a book, New Jim Crow, said what Clinton did for the African-American community was the worst uh, for the poor families than any other president. Because he went center. He wasn't a true Democrat. But the, no, the Democratic wasn't. Party is now bought by corporate America. So so we. I, so I, he basically I'm, made it was what it is today. Exactly. And the reality is, I'm not even a libertarian. The reality is, I am a Democrat by by what they're supposed to be. But the Democratic candidates that are running are not Democrats. They're they're frauds. Now, Andrew Yang was. Uh, Tulsi I'm a Gabbard big was. Yang fan. I'm, I'm a big I, I, And that's Andrew the third Yang party fan. I would vote for is the forward Me party. Too. But again, I don't think he can ever win. But the idea is if he gets votes, he'll get more funds the next election. And, and, and that, that's kind of what I And then he can run as a Democrat again. But then mm-hmm. if, if we have Trump in the next election going against— uh, But can he actually run? Because we, of what happened with him yet. keeping the documents? Let me say this. If they say he can't run, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm pretty sure this country— DeSantis. Gonna, no, no, but I'm saying that his supporters are going to go apeshit. If they oh, say. 100%. So, but also for the simple thing of— I feel like half of his supporters are big DeSantis supporters. They are, and DeSantis could be the next one. But I, see, I don't like any Republican, and the reason is is because of what happened in the Supreme Court. We have a, a conservative Supreme Court that just ripped away women's rights, and state and women, some women are fucked in these states that, that had trigger laws, and that's because so fucked. And that's because of fucking. Uh, uh, we had two presidents, George W. Bush Jr. and. Donald Trump, both presidents lost the popular vote, but I mean, somehow still won. Yeah, because of the, the because of the um, electoral the, college, yeah. and I don't even feel like that's honestly true. Well, they, they they became president, but more people in this country did not want them to be president, and they became president anyway. And they have appointed five of the justices of the nine were appointed by those two presidents. So over half the Supreme Court was appointed by two conservatives that lost the popular vote, and they stripped away women's rights. And now they could be coming after homosexuals' rights to be married. And, oh, 100%. percent. Now they're trying to make it a states' right thing. And yeah. I'm sorry. Last time I checked, it does say in our democracy in the Declaration of independence separation of state and church because what's telling me that you being a christian is any better than being a jew we won't even deal with atheism at the moment we'll just put that to the side right 
And what kind of Christianity? Are you a Lutheran? Are you a Catholic? Are you a Methodist? What's so much? Which one's the best? Which one's the one that we're supposed to go by? Which one's that's supposed to influence the state the way that you want to do it in the Republican Party? You can't fucking tell me. There's nothing that you can absolutely say that tells me that one religion has more proof than the other. I'm a very firm believer in proof and the facts and things like that. And when the Bible's been re rewritten, and I grew up in a Lutheran home. I went to church I in school yeah. every day, but you cannot tell me that there's any proof that the God that you're trying to talk to me is the real. Yeah. And I still am. I still believe in God. Don't get me wrong. But I also like to play devil's advocate of how can you prove it? You can't. And I know faith, 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 faith. Then why do you change the Bible so much? Yeah. And well, my thing is, I don't believe, I, I, I don't not believe in God. I don't believe in God. I'm an agnostic. I don't know. Let me, sorry, let me clarify. I believe that there is a God. I don't believe it is to do with anything of religion. I believe that there is a higher power is what I like to call it. And you can't tell me because you, God is described as all loving and all powerful in today's testament. And all loving then God. Then why do kids get, why do kids get cancer? Yeah. Yeah. You can't answer that question. So he's either one or the other. He's either all loving and he can't help that these kids get cancer because it's just an inevitable of fate. Or he's all powerful and doesn't give a fuck and just dishes out the punishment that he sees fit. Right. So, it's one or the other. Well, it would have to. It would have to be. I see. I think it's more of a universal energy, and that the universal energy the is all loving, mm -hmm. and that the the child cancer thing is one of the saddest things that could happen to, for for a child and and their parents and their family. And um, and I think though the the reality is on a on a deeper level is that when it happens, it's super sad in this world. But but for the child, when she's released, there is pure love on the other 100%. side. One hundred percent. And um and I, if I were the parent, and reincarnation that, isn't ruled out. Yeah, I'm definitely. Who knows? I that's that's the weird thing about. Reality and reality freaks me out sometimes. I'm like, I look around like, what is this? Like, what the fuck is going on? Are we in the Matrix kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, is it a simulation? Mm. Is it going to be? A, is a re reincarnation going to be a real thing? Have I have I died before? I've actually thought this where I've taken. There's been things that happened in my life that were places where I almost could have died or fucked up. I'm like, what if I did though? But just in, a, in another multiverse, I I made a better decision and didn't, and I keep on weaving out from times. You know, and I know this is just. Oh no, that's a whole thing though. Yeah, the multiverse is a real thing to where like. One is, is just no different than the butterfly effect. You can't tell me that there is, are all these theories and there's no substance whatever behind it. Because if it's like even for superstitions, like white men can't jump. There's a lot of white dudes I know that cannot jump. There's a lot of white dudes I do know, like Jordan Killmonger, who is one of the biggest sponsors of like the NBA, who's like... I think a little bit bigger than me, like I'm 5'10". I think he's maybe six foot and can do some of the dumbest dunks that you'll ever see in your life. And he's a white guy. Yeah. So, like, he obviously doesn't fit the stereotype, but stereotypes are kind of around a little bit. I wouldn't say in general, but, like, the basic of basics, like, women are more mature. Well, the, Men the, have, or men are, sh like, wait. have more um, impulses, da 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 like, things like that. There are things like that, and, and women, yeah, being more mature, I think, has to do with uh, their, their brains actually do um, develop brain function develop changes. They us. develop faster. Usually, your brains develop by like fifteen, where a male's like twenty-five, something like that. I think. I'm not sure the numbers. I know male is twenty-five. I think female. I'm not female sure. Female might be it's, a little bit later. It, I know. I'm it's thinking earlier. about physicals. No, it's, Physical it, it's is, earlier than twenty-five for a woman. Um, for women, they stop like developing by like fifteen. Is something like that. You may like get bigger boobs or a bigger butt, but you're never going to get taller. That, yeah, they do stop growing sooner. It's like but, thirteen to fifteen or something like that. But yeah, there's, there's, I mean, stereotypes though are, are more detrimental than, than they are helpful. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. 
But it's like I'm saying, it's like the 1%. So you can't tell me that every stereotype is wrong, which most of them are. Like, I will say that. I do attest to that. But some of them are around for a reason. And that's why, like, I implemented on religion the hardest. You can't give me all the stereotypes of religion that everyone's supposed to be a good Christian. Everyone's supposed to be this. Everyone's supposed to be that. But if you repent, you get to go to heaven. I feel like you have to repent in a real way, not just saying sorry. You have to dedicate your life in a certain ways to be a real better person. Yeah. I remember um, I, saw, I saw a pamphlet that, um, that a church sent out, and it was, a, it was a couple that were flying to Africa to help build homes for um, or whatever they were doing. Like a Peace Corps thing. Some kind of amazing work that these people were doing, just amazing people. And, and, they were, and then when they were flying, their planes started going down. And as they were dying, they said, well, we get to go to, we, at least we get to go to heaven because we've done such good work. And then it comes in and says, but they weren't Christian, so they don't get to so go. So they don't get to go. And it's like, oh, but the asshole that beats his kids but goes and prays on Sundays, he'll be fine if he asks for forgiveness before he And loves. that's the whole in the stereotype. And it's just like, the whole thing is just ridiculous. But again, when I, like, when I talked to the uh, sex, drugs, and Jesus guy, he had a great story. And uh, he quoted the verse. I can't quote Bible verses, but it was something along the lines of uh, these people go up to heaven and they're like, oh, I did this and I took care of these people and I, or, you know, or, you know, I shunned these people and I treated, you know, told these people not to do that. And I was living by the word of the God and telling people what to do and whatever it was. And then God's like, yeah, but I don't know who you are. And the idea is, yeah, you can say, I, I told gay people not to get married. I stopped women from having abortions. You know, I, you know, I, I voted for Trump. But whatever it is that you think you did that God wanted you to do, but it's like, but did you talk? To, were you a good person for you? Mm-hmm. Did you know God? What was your connection? Did you, did you love yourself? Did you take care of yourself? Did you live your life as a real Christian, not what you want to portray in other people? Yeah, and did you help people, or did you just stop people from doing things? They, mm-hmm. I mean, but again, it goes back to the Bible, where there's many stories in the Bible you can find that would justify you being an asshole. And I don't, and that's why we have separation of church and state. But unfortunately, with so many people who are elected in office are zealot, they're zealous uh, religious well, people. Look at the guy that uh, he was on CNN one time. I can't remember his name. He is a bald white Christian man, and he was on CNN talking to God, uh, the New York governor's brother. Oh, uh, Cuomo. Cuomo, and he was like. President Trump swore on, and then he was, because he was talking about Ilan Omar. Oh, I saw Omar, this. I saw this. And he was like, oh, Ilan Omar didn't swear on a Bible, so she's not really sworn in. Sir, you don't have to swear on a Bible. You can swear whenever, you can swear on a math book if you want to. Yeah. Because that's what you believe in. It does not say anywhere in the government that you have to be a Christian, because we are a freedom of religion state. There is no way that you can tell me being a Christian is better than being a Jew or being a Jew is better than being a Muslim. There's nothing that says that. Where the Quran, if you're really going to get really down to it, is the only religion that or the only religious book that recognizes every other religion that brings in. It does talk about Jesus in the Quran. It says that Jesus wasn't the son of God, but he was a prophet. Yeah. I I don't know much about the Quran, but. I study because of like certain musicians that I listen to who lost faith and gained faith through Muslim, uh, being a Muslim and things like that. And that is one thing in the Quran, like Jesus is in the Quran. 
Well, the, those three religions, Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity are all spawns of, or part, they all come They're from, all the, from the same place. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. but they're just, and they've been fighting with each other forever. Um, the Christians have an alliance with the Jews right now. And the guy, uh, Lawrence Mass, who I had on the podcast, he talked about the alliance. He's like, because I asked him, I was like, do you really think that the Jews could be in trouble? I think the Mexicans could be in trouble, but the, the Christians are pretty pro Israel. Very he much. Sa- so. He said, we are, he said, they are right now. But I don't ever trust that alliance at a certain point. He goes, I, you know, hopefully it, it sticks. But the reality is, is why are we Christians versus Jews? Why don't we? I wish we could move past dogma and get into more a science ideology. based, yeah, and, and more a philosophical based. There was somebody I was listening to who said, you know, I think it was um, Doctor Junkie, but I'm not sure. But he said, you know, we had a choice. Our our species had a choice in the in the time of Rome, where we could have went with let's let the 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 religion of the land be. Greek philosophy, or we should be Christianity, and they went with Christianity. But they had both, though, for a long time, oh, they, they because did. you can't tell, like, Jupiter is Zeus. Oh, well, they, they've, they, well, that's that's the Greek mythology. But, the but myth- they interpreted it in their own way. And also, they've, they've hidden mythology from paganism. It's all hidden throughout our culture, throughout, I mean, the whole story it's, of it's in, Christianity. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Santa Claus and the Easter bunny. That was, Easter was a, a, a goddess was a that, God. that, that had a bunny that laid golden eggs. So... So a lot of the mythology is hidden within our culture, but it's all wrapped around Christianity now. And to me, though, I just wished we could get to a place where the law of the land and the thing in people's hearts was philosophy, love, and the idea that we treat other how, other people how we want to be treated, and the idea of liberty. liberty. Being a, human, a humanitarian at the end of the day. That's it. And, and, and that's what being American used to be. If you look in the 40s and the 50s, when all the men went to war, what did the women do? Worked. Worked in steel mills. You had the chick with the bandana on, with her arm flexing, yeah. telling everyone how strong, how great it is to be a powerful woman in a steel mill because there's no men. So you're telling me that we can't do something like that today? Well, I mean, Where we're all supposed to come together. We're all supposed to take our ideas and run with them. Just because one idea might be a little bit better than the other doesn't mean that it's not a good idea. Yeah, I, I just think we need to come. To, we need to find a place where the, yelling about religion is just—it's so outdated, so archaic that for us to be like, "Well, this person's not a Christian." It's like, what does that matter? We're not talking about this. This has nothing to do with personal the conversation. conversation. That's a yeah. personal conversation, not yeah. a world conversation. So the idea that we have separation of church and state is almost more in theory because the reality is, is our government and elected officials co- talk about it constantly and use it to vote the way they want to vote. Lauren Borbish. Who's that? The. Republican, I want to say she's a senator or congresswoman from Colorado who preaches about how we should be in, um, have religion in schools and all oh, these yeah. things and how we should do religion first, religion this, religion that. When you and your husband have a sexual offense on your record, or your husband does, I'm sorry, she doesn't, her husband does, for dealing with a minor. Now, last time I checked in Christianity, that doesn't go very far. I don't know though because if you look at the story of like when they were with Lot, where he offers up his virgin daughters, like just just fuck them, don't fuck these men, men, fuck, fuck my virgin daughters. There's stories like that in the Bible, and if you're a, a Christian and you love the Bible, just ask yourself, is that, is that what is that? that? What's that about? If if your mother eats pork, or she wears different cloths, so you're telling me you're gonna wear silk and then cotton jeans. Well, and You're supposed to be stoned. Yeah, and there's so many weird things in there, but like the pork thing, I think it comes down to they didn't know how to properly sanitize it, so people were getting sick. Same with shellfish; it's in the Bible. Mm, that does make sense. And so, so these were more rules that would help you survive, but they they got interpreted to the law of God. I, 
and there's another funny thing. You know, Christianity was built on Judaism, and one hundred percent. And there was the, I was reading the book. Was Jesus actually, himself is a Jew. Yeah, one hundred percent. It was Louis C.K. had a funny bit like that where he's like, "I told my friend uh, Jesus was a Jew," and he's like, "No, he wasn't." He's like, "No, he was." He's like, "Nah, you're wrong." He's like, "All right, you can think that, but like, you, this you, is, you this is play, a fact." Let's bet dinner. <laughs> yeah. So, but that, so how how the whole church started in Israel was, or what was going on with the church in Israel was, you would bring an, you would go in and confess your your sins to the to the preachers or whatever they were called at the priests, and priest. you would you would go to the priest and and confess your sins, and they would say, all right, for penance, bring me. X, you know, two chickens and a fucking lamb, whatever. The, the, and we'll sacrifice it to God. And we'll sacrifice it to God. And they would bring, and it's like, it's not a coincidence that every animal that they requested to be sacrificed was edible because they would bring them in, sacrifice them, and then and have a them. feast. Mm-hmm. So they were just, it was just a, it was just because a you're scam. Eating God's product. Yeah. It's a, it's a scam from the beginning. The foundation of Christianity is Judaism. It was a scam then. And then the Roman church became all powerful and it was a scam then telling people, hey, if you give me your money when you die, you'll have a better place in heaven. That's a fucking scam. And, 100%. and then you, and you could say, well, we're not Catholic, we're Christian. Well, guess what? Christianity was comes from the same thing. The Roman Catholic Bible was finally translated to it because it used to only be in Latin. So if you were in Germany and you believed in Christ, you had to hear it from a preacher who could speak Latin. So you went to church. And then Martin Luther decided, and it was a huge deal when he did this because they were trying to kill him for this, but he translated the Bible to German. And that's when all the different religions started breaking off, interpreting it differently. And, oh, I think it's this. And you got Old Testament, New Testament, this Testament, that Testament. Yeah, there was a funny thing about there's a group called the Anti-Baptists, which I believe is just the foundation of what is now the Baptist. The idea was very much so. And the idea of the Anti-Baptists is they were anti because the Catholic Church baptized infants, and they were like, you can't baptize an infant because they've never sinned, and because they never sinned, and because they don't have a choice. They don't. Can't, they need to make the choice there's for themselves. No mm-hmm. So wait till the child's old enough. So what the Anti-Baptists would do was give you a second baptism, which would, would happen when you were a teenager. But there was a third so baptism. So that's when getting conceived became a thing, and when you got baptized at like 14 instead of yeah. as a baby. Yeah, and that's why I, I went to a Baptist church and I was baptized oh, at like 15. Dude, that's a whole eye-opener. Like, I'm bug-eyed right now just hearing you say that for the simple fact of like, it all makes sense. But also, I'll say this, that the Catholic church controlled it then, so the anti-Baptists were actually in a, re- a legal religion. Right. So there was a third baptism. So your first baptism was under the Catholic church. Your second baptism was when the anti-Baptist Baptists you had an age they thought was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Like and 12 your, to 14. Yeah, and then your third baptism was when you got caught being anti-Baptist and you were drowned by the by the Roman Catholic, Catholic church. church. Uh-huh. And you didn't really live through that baptism. No. So that's died in the name of Christ. <laughs> you died in the name of Christ, and so many people have. I mean, if you if you look into stories in the um, the Middle Ages with what was going on when the, when the church was getting fragmented from Roman Catholic to mm-hmm. Protestant, anti-Baptist, you know, Lutheran, all the different branches that were, and they were all killing each other. I mean, oh, but, but it was a whole. Is, it, in a form of genocide, to be honest. It was. And if you look, think about what spirituality is, if this is a straight-up spiritual book from the all-power, all omnipotent creator of the universe, don't you think the people that read it would become better people and more enlightened, as they most people Learn do? Learn new things. And I mean, if you think about Zen Buddhism, people in those religions, they do become more spiritual and they become more enlightened. Christians didn't. They read that book and they went on murder. They went on the Crusades. I mean, witch hunts. Witch hunts. They were burning women at the stake. I mean, the Catholic this is, Church is the reason why we are not so, so scientifically advanced as we are today in today's society. Because they constantly fight science. Because science will only do one thing, but disprove their book, and will do nothing to prove their book. So they've been at war, and they've stopped 
up so much. So many, I mean, how, how much further could we be now if, if we weren't held back by religious dogma? And right now, I think we're at a place in our country where our country might fold because of religious dogma and the crazy thinking. And for some reason— that, that dogma theory is very hard. And the Trump, mm-hmm. the Trump cult is heavily tied in with religion. You see those stickers everywhere. Jesus is my savior. Trump is my president. They've put them in the same box, even though Trump couldn't be less Jesus-like than any figure I've ever seen in politics in my life. Grab him by the pussy. That was his first, you know, thing that came out. I thought he's done. That's on. That's on tape. No, 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 no. No. And, and, you, and when you think he made fun of somebody who had Down syndrome or like had special needs, like my nephew has doesn't speak. He's very highly autistic autism. He is very high on the spectrum. Like, but he does have some intelligence. Like, we can read books together. Like, he can understand what we're doing. And you're telling me that you can make fun of a kid like that. And still be president of the United States. Okay. That that meme when he, I mean, that's not it's become a meme, but when he did that. Oh, I mean, it's a meme forever. Yeah, oh yeah, and I, I just it's just the that image of him mocking a, men, a mentally handicapped person is just absolutely Atrocious. disgusting. I mean, what the fuck? So I hate to I we, I, we, I keep getting political in here. I feel like my, my listeners probably all agree because anybody who likes Trump has probably stopped listening to my podcast. One hundred percent. Unless they want to argue something. I mean, I've, I've released so many podcasts because I started with trying not to be political. But when you're doing a podcast about the war on drugs, to, you have to, to be not political. be political. It's a political. Is it's a political, it's a political thing. meme. Yeah. So or not even a meme. It's a political knife that they use at every chance that they get, and that's how they broke up originally the families in America. The families that they felt threatened by by a powerful white man could no longer be in power. Like how you said, 40% of African-American males are in prison, but they only make up 6% of the population. That makes absolutely no sense to me. And how they bring up black-on-black crime. Well, what is white-on-white crime? White people commit more crimes against white people than any other race in America. You commit crimes where you live. It's not about who you target. It's about where you live because it's more convenient. And black and black crime is a drug war problem. In the drug war, that crime stops. Those murders stop. And if you give a fuck about those people's lives, you fucking in the drug war yesterday. I mean, and and there's another uh, startling statistic. It's not just the the amount of uh, African-American men that are shot by the police. And I've heard many, many white people say, do you know that it's a fact that the same amount of white people get shot by cops than blacks? And I say, yeah, that's hundred percent true. But look at the and percentage you, of population. And that's if you, yeah, if you don't, if you don't consider that, then yeah, that seems like then a valid you're point. So ignorant. But the reality is, mm-hmm. if you're an African American man, you're six times more likely to be shot by a cop, and that's fucked up. And that's why the Black Lives Movement started, and that's what it was about. It was about police brutality, sh- shooting unarmed black men, and it's getting ridiculous. I've been, it's still on the news. It's still and, happening. And I fucking hate the notion of oh, only black lives. Matter. No, motherfucker. That's not what they're saying. They're saying Black Lives Matter too. Yes. T O O. I love that. Like, I, I've said that. I love that. I say, this. It's I say so that all the time. Obvious. Like my best friends. Like growing up. Like I don't get me wrong. Like I have a guy that I call my brother, who's my best one of my best friends, Richie Haas. He is in the army. He's an army recruiter. He's a white man. Love him to death. But I also have a brother who is named Arcel Jones, who is an African-American male. He lives in Las Vegas. He does uh, work in restaurants and in gym, and he is a personal trainer and does all these great things. But you're, there's no difference in character between the two of them, and you're telling me that he's six times more likely to be shot for no reason? Yeah. I mean, you, we've seen videos where a guy was asked to give his ID, and when he reached his wallet, he was shot. He like, thought he was grabbing a gun. You yep. just asked for his fucking ID, man. What the we'll fuck? We'll go to... It was... God, I want to say it's not like his last name is Castro. I can't remember his first name. It's like Philippe, some something like that. An African-American male. He had a 
He's a member of the NRA. He had a carry and conceal license. I want to say it's somewhere in the Midwest, like Minnesota. And this is years ago, like 2016, time in that in that time frame. And when they asked him to go for to get his ID and things like that, he go let them know I have a firearm in the car. My daughter's in the car in the back seat. My girlfriend, fiance, is right here. I'm gonna reach for my ID and I'm gonna give it to you. Second he reached, boom, 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 six shots in the chest, dead in front of his daughter. They don't give him any kind of reset, like, don't give him any kind of health care. Don't bring in any kind of medics. Let him bleed out in his fucking car in front of his, I want to say, like, she was like four? That's so Four-year-old daughter. And his fiance is crying while recording all of this. And they got a huge, huge multi-million dollar settlement. And we can look at we can look at LA for like we'll, I can go on this like release brutality thing for a long time because I do my studies on this. We can go out on how many cities that are major and little cities that pay out year in and year out. LA's average is like almost a million dollars a year in payouts for racial police brutality. That's so, and that's supposed to be like how they say, "Oh, LA's a no, it's a police force." Yes. Yeah. How, how does this happen? And, and when so when the riots started happening, which were also way less violent than the media wanted to say, one hundred percent, there was definitely violence. There was definitely looting. That shit happens when 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 somebody starts. And also, I mean, I don't want to. They did it on both sides. Look they, at Minnesota. Uh, they, they Minnesota did. police department got caught on video slashing tires of protesters, breaking windows, burning cars, and they were on video in uniform. While the Black Lives Matter protests were going on during George Floyd, well, and there's also, and, and this is this gets into the land of conspiratorial thinking that the right does all the time. So I don't want to try. I, I want to try to be more middle. Democrats but, do too. But the rea- but the reality is, just because it's called a conspiracy doesn't mean it's bullshit. And there has been times when the FBI and CIA have been caught going into peaceful rallies and starting some violence to and it, to and, get and, the they, crowd and, going and, and, and they don't have to be the only ones violent. They just have to throw the first brick and then they can peel out. Peel out and, and then let the never sh- been seen again. They're it, they're yeah, ghosts. Then they let they let the shit get violent. And then they bring in the, the, the gas, and then they go, look, they got violent. Well, but they never well, get caught for starting it. it. But they have been caught before starting it. So did that happen this time? I'm just asking. Don't know. And if you're a Trumper, you might say, well, did it happen during January 6th? Who knows? I doubt it because the president was the one telling him to, 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 to fight like hell. So it's, it's, That's why he has a whole trial going on right now. Yeah, and, and because— His own vice president was supposed to be lynched. And also, when Hillary got caught with that shit, uh, Benghazi. there was never any, like, there was planted. They, they were like, lock her up. But now that it's Trump, they're like, it's planted. It's like, well, how do you have take this stance with Hillary and then have the exact opposite stance with Trump? And it's because you're in a cult. Mm-hmm. If one's guilty, they're both guilty. If one's innocent, then they're both innocent. And that's how I feel about the whole Hillary-Trump thing. Don't get me wrong. I do think Hillary has done some slight— I think they're both guilty. Oh, 100%. I do, too. I think Hillary was guilty. I think Hillary's done some shady shit. Don't get me wrong. I love Brother Bill. The only thing I think he really did wrong was get a blowjob in the Oval Office. You balanced the books two times, and definitely, like how you said, where he did kind of fuck the African community a little bit when it came to re- real estate and things like that, 100%. Well, it was, for, it was with the, the assistance for needy families. He, yes. he changed that to a temporary— it was, he, But didn't he also bring in Dreamers? Wasn't that him? Dreamers was— The Dreamers Act. Was that him? Well, there, but the, I mean, he, it was either what, him what or he Obama did, that did that. He stopped anybody with the drug, uh, a criminal record, able to get government assistance, stuff like that, and that really impacted that the does hurt them a lot because, because the, you were already fighting the war on drugs. Exactly, and they've been so fucked up with the drug war. And if he really wanted to help them in the drug war, and I know there was a lot of like the, the whole hundred to one crack thing. Like if you get caught with crack, it's a hundred times more punishable than cocaine. But it's not. Obama, Obama changed it to eighteen to one. But why not one to one? Or how about it's the same. 
same drug. It's the same drug. Same drug. They're just smoking it. One's one's just baked in a fucking pot, and the other one's just picked off a plant and uh, basically painted with paint. Yeah, and and the thing is, I, I grew up when I grew up. We, sometimes we would smoke cocaine, We'd mix it with baking soda, smear it on the sheet oh, of yeah, and just, just so you're basically smoking crack. It's just not. It's not. It's just as, not in a rock. Yeah. Oh my god, it's just it's just a powder. My but, my bad. But that 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 was just such. It became such a a, a problem with because uh, it was a race thing that the the poor communities were smoking crack because it made made it cheaper and the high was faster and stronger. So the so the, the biggest lie ever told. Cocaine is a rich white man's drug. Yeah, and, and crack was a poor you're, person. You're drug. telling me, and I'm sorry, there's a lot of dudes on Wall Street that smoke crack. Oh, of course. I mean, and they're the richest dudes in America. I mean, how many those mayors are, have been caught smoking crack? <laughs> Mayor of Toronto. Uh huh. But, so um, you can't tell me that like crack is only a black people thing or cocaine is only a black people thing when those are the two of the most expensive drugs that you can get. For like the smallest amount that you can get, like yeah, it'll get you really fucking high, but your high doesn't last that long. No, and, that, so, and that's why it's more addicting. But mm-hmm. but the, the the I mean, it, it comes down to the fact that if people want to, if somebody wants to smoke crack, they're not they're going to smoke crack. Yeah, it's just we got to figure out a way. And I think if you if we invest in schools, invest in education, invest in after school programs, less kids are going to want to do drugs because they're, they're going to have a life that they're starting to enjoy. Invest in our future. Invest in the children. Invest in the future. Stop. It, 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 but all the money that we spend is not. To help is to hurt, is to attack, is to say, we're going to lock you up. You're not going to have a father there for you because he's in prison, and his prison is you know, two hours away. You won't ever see him You'll again. You'll never see him. He'll never teach you a thing. He'll never throw you a baseball. And that's like the whole thing I get on, too, is like, why would we not just give the ultimate investment into the youth? Why would we not pay teachers in public schools the highest of highest of money that we possibly can for the simple fact of we don't like being last in this. We don't like being last in that. But when it comes to academics, we suck. Yeah, yeah. You want to, you know, we're the best in entertainment and athletics, and and um, and and, corpor- and, and, and corporations, yeah, corporate greed, mm-hmm. and exploiting third world nation oh, labor, and being fat. Yeah, yeah, being out of shape, mm-hmm. and yeah. I mean, when the COVID lockdown happened, I'm like, why is nobody talking about nutrition, health, and exercise right now? Nobody, like, just that stay inside, stay so inside. Hard. It's like, uh, who's dying? It's it's a lot of the obese and unhealthy people. Don't, but they did not talk about nutrition. Just well, stay at, Well, look at Europe. Europe has a very, very low obese rate. Yeah. Because they walk everywhere. They travel. They exercise. And it's not even, honestly, they don't even really exercise that much. They just move a lot. Yeah. They don't have the easy transportation. Some people have to walk miles to work sometimes and things of that nature. Like, yeah, they'll take a bus, but then they have to walk from one bus to another bus and do things like that. In Europe, you can look. There are not a lot of obese people. Yeah, no, that's, so definitely it's a, it seems to be an American thing. But I will say our trans, our public transportation sucks in this city. It just everybody— Oh, and Fort Myers mo- is terrible. Most people have cars. But I do see uh, there's a lot of poor Hispanic people I see that are working class that ride their bikes to work. I see them every day. That's just, and it's 100 degrees out, but that's And they're how, always healthy. Oh, yeah, because that's how they're getting places. Mm-hmm. But we are, we do need to fix our—anyway, I don't want to get into transportation. That's going to be a whole other— That's thing. a whole other yeah. segment we can get into. But I tell you what, uh, we'll, let's wrap this up, but we'll do it again, uh, uh, you know, you know— I'm always free. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Well, this has been fun. Good, great conversation. Fun talking with you. I thought so. All right, man. Peace out. Peace out, Girl Scout. All right. Peace, Nicks. Once again, if you like what we're doing here at the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at the Peace on Drugs podcast. Go to www.thepeaceondrugs.com slash subscribe and subscribe to our newsletter. I'm going to let Twiggy Branches take us on out. out. You pay for what you get. You 
Yeah. 